Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. I am Sunny Abada. The motto here is real talk big topics. And today I'm so excited to welcome a guest that uh, whose content I've been consuming for years now. And I think you will walk away from this interview if you are a woman fully changed with how you treat yourself, how you think of your health and what you plan to do to feel better. So our guest is Alisa Viti. She is the author of the best-selling book, Woman Code, also the author of this book, which I love, In the Flow. She is a functional nutrition and women's hormone expert and Femtech founder. And we are so, so happy to have her here on the podcast to talk all about hormone health today. Alisa, thank you so much for joining me. So happy to be here, Sunny. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. So like I said, I've heard tons of interviews with you. And frankly, I would say that what you taught me that no one has ever taught me is that we are not taught enough about our hormone health as menstruating women. And I'm curious to lead things off with why you think there's such a dearth of information given to us when we first have our period through our lives about the true impact of hormones on our health. Oh, that's like, I love, you know, you, you deliver, you're going to dig deep and we're going to do big <laughs> topics right away. Yes. So, so let's go there. I think that, you know, for, it's a multifaceted issue. Part of it is our cultural narrative around women's bodies and women's hormones being sort of shameful or, you know, uncontrollable or unpredictable. So there's that kind of legacy piece. Then there's also the sort of cultural side effect that happens when we have left women out of medical nutrition and fitness research, which is what we have done. And so this kind of combination of what happens in research and academia, and then what has sort of been unchanged for millennia about sort of how we perceive women's bodies, when those two forces come together, you can imagine that like you're typical health education class when you're, you know, coming up to your pubescent years is going to be pretty light in terms of what information you get. You're going to get mm -hmm. some basics like, hey, you're going to have a period. It's not going to be pleasant. Here's some products to use. Don't get pregnant. <laughs> Which is, if, I, if I just sum it up, that's what I've heard from so many women. That's kind of all you get. So it, it and you really understand the root of that conversation when you look at sort of the two reasons why that takes place, right? Is if you have all these negative perceptions and then there's no research, I mean, what kind of information are you going to be presented? Not much. And that's what you get. So I think we just deserve so much better because it's it the science that is like outdated information. The up-to-date mm -hmm. science is such that, you know, our hormones are really powerful. They're very predictable. And with all the research that I've put into my different books over the years, there are ways for you to take control of your hormonal problems and resolve them naturally. And there's more than that, because I mean, not having a problem is, is good, but leveraging your hormones for your benefit and optimization in every area of your life, that's even better. And, you know, let's take a little inspiration from the guys. They're out there biohacking, they're optimizing, they're using all the fitness and nutrition research to better their health and their longevity and their whatever productivity 
And we can do the same. We just have to do it in a way that matches our unique biological pattern and not try to fit ourselves into uh, the the self-care routines that optimize male biology. Yeah, the, I do want to dive specifically as we get into our conversation about the topic of intermittent fasting, diets that don't work for women. And there's a very specific reason why, um, which we will get to that. We've been trying to square peg into a round hole for years, it seems like, with all the research. And I remember you making this point in one of your previous interviews that a lot of the research that's been done on some of these fitness trends and diet plans has been for men or for women who aren't men's which shocked me really, because when you're given data, for example, with intermittent fasting or a diet plan that shows X percentage of people had success doing this and these, what we're not being told is the types of people that this research is coming from are not dealing at all with the same hormonal and, you know, body cycles and patterns that we are. That really, really shocked me. Yeah. And I've talked to a number of female journalists and, and they all feel similarly to you, Sunny, like, wait, how, where was the memo on the cohort of the study? And, and it's, I think it's just an honest blind spot that we've had. Again, another uh, side effect of this um, gender bias that's in research, you know, kind of has this trickle down effect into when we get a study, we just make the same assumption that if women aren't included, okay, maybe women are just smaller versions of men. And so this new information about um, you know, uh, intermittent fasting, it should apply to women too. And we don't have to do a call out about the fact that this study wasn't done on women. But that's the essential challenge right there. If the study isn't inclusive of women or women in a particular age bracket, it's not really <clears throat> um, a great thing to be telling them that this will work for them because it's not necessarily accurate or uh, scientifically correct, because if the study hasn't been done on them, we don't have the data to show whether or not definitively it is working. And now we have data to show in the case of intermittent fasting for women in the reproductive years, that it's not necessarily the best thing to do. Not a good thing. Okay. We're just, we'll just dive right into that and kind of work our way back. Sure. Um, so tell us what is, we know what's biologically different between men and women to look at. We obviously know that we have a period and they don't, and that everything is different from the inside out, but tell us biologically why the pattern, the eating patterns, the intermittent fasting, the things we're trying to do to our body that we're researching on men aren't working for us from a scientific perspective. It comes down to your biological clocks. And I say clocks plural because we actually have a separate clock that men don't have. And this, this is sort of like the, why I ended up writing the second book in the flow. I was looking around and I was asking myself a new question. When I wrote Woman Code, the question I asked myself was, how does the endocrine system work? What causes it to go out of balance? And what is the, what are the systematic steps we can take to bring it back to optimal functioning? And that's what's in woman code. That's what the flow protocol is. That's what's helping women resolve, you know, PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, infertility, those types of things. When I was continuing on in my work with Flow Living, which is our hormonal healthcare company that helps women around the world deal with these menstrual and fertility and perimenopause challenges. I wanted to, I was just starting to get really frustrated that I was looking around at the data and you'd see that 80% of women struggle with a hormonal problem over the course of her life, right? But that doesn't take place in the same galaxy as a statistic for men. And I wanted to know why, what 
what is really the root cause of why more women have hormonal problems than men. And it came down to me uncovering this second biological clock. So we all have a circadian clock and we've all heard about that. It's made the news. There's been many multiple New York best-selling books about circadian rhythm and why it's important for you to take care of it. And so many of us now are sensitive to wearing our blue light blocking glasses and we try to have good sleep hygiene and we know it's important. Tons of research, tons of funding, tons of studies have been done on it. Women from their in their reproductive years, that's what I'm talking about, as soon as you get a period and until you have your last bleed, you have a second clock called the infradian clock. And you've never heard about it. I had never heard about it. Oh, Elisa, never heard of it. I was never heard of it. Only 37 years old before I knew about its existence. And right. that that this is such a huge blind spot because without knowing that you have the secondary clock, right? How do you know that it's important to take care of it? How do you even know if you're doing the things that are taking care of it or are they disrupting it? So we know how important that is with the circadian clock. We know the things to do to take care of it. We know when we're disrupting it. For example, you know that if you stayed up till three in the morning and then you woke up at six, you're going to be disrupting your circadian clock. You're going to feel the pain of that short term and there's going to have some long term, you know, pro-inflammatory effects, et cetera. And you know not to do that every day because that can make you very ill, right? So you know that you've been taught that that's like a given it's table stakes information. You know how to function around that but you don't know anything about your infradian rhythm. And the problem is you are doing things unknowingly that are disrupting it. And the, what we don't know about it and how we're disrupting it is really why 80% of women will struggle with a hormonal problem at some point in her life and why men don't. Because everything that they're doing, diet and fitness-wise, is optimizing their hormonal pattern, which follows a circadian rhythm. Right. And so they perform better hormonally. We are not doing that. We are not supporting our infradian rhythm and we're not performing hormonally as well as we should be. So what disrupts the infradian rhythm in women? Well, living a circadian life, right? So eating the same calorie amounts day in and day out will disrupt your infradian rhythm. And, and so let me just even backtrack further to say that you experience the circadian rhythm in the course of 24 hours you experience the infradian rhythm over the course of a month, mm -hmm. which maps onto your cycle. But just like it's too simplistic to say, oh, the circadian clock only affects your sleep-wake cycles. It affects the timing of just about everything in your body. It is also too simplistic to say the infradian clock only affects um, when you are ovulating and when you're menstruating, because it, in fact, affects major systems of your body, your brain, your immune system, your stress response system, your reproductive system, and et cetera, your metabolism. So if you are doing things that disrupt this, you're gonna see suboptimal performance in any of those systems of the body from your weight to your skin, to your mood, to your brain, uh, you know, clarity, to your immune system, all of that. So things like eating the same calories day in and day out, that's gonna disrupt your infradian um, clock because it's dynamic and, it, and you'll, we'll talk about how it changes. Doing the same intensity of workouts day in and day out will disrupt it. Um, trying to wake up super, super early every single day of the month is going to be a disruption for that. Um, there's lots of different things that you can end up doing that uh, really, really mess with this system. And if I had to sum it all up in one key point, it's 
doing the same thing every day with your self-care doesn't match what's happening biologically and that therefore that's going to end up disrupting your infradian rhythm. Okay. So we have to break this down to basics in order to understand what we need to be doing to optimize our overall and our hormone health. We have to understand what's happening in that infradian cycle. So can you walk us through the various phases that menstruating women go through and what types of activities, foods, et cetera, sort of match up best with each phase? Yes. So I think a lot of us know when we're bleeding, but a lot of us yes. don't know when we're ovulating or the other two phases, Wait, right? I have to hop in really quickly, Elisa. This was a pre-show chat that Rachel, my producer and I were having. I thought I knew everything about when I was ovulating. I was, I got off birth control because I was like, I'm good. And now I have a third baby that totally like prove to me that you can think you know what is happening with your body <laughs> you have absolutely no idea and this is so common for women by the way i have had conversations with multiple women in the past several months alone who have that surprise baby or something happened where they're like oh god i really thought i knew what was happening but we actually have no idea anyhow i just had to interject that that's my daily reminder that i have your no third idea. baby my third baby <laughs> I love it. Well, that's, that's a blessing. Um, so, you know, here's, I, we have four phases of the cycle and there, let's go through their names. There's the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, the luteal phase, and the menstrual phase. Now I just want to point out that I always found it really odd that the language is not precise enough here. It's like menstruation, is that when you're bleeding? Is that the whole month? The menstrual cycle? Is the menstrual cycle when you're bleeding? Is it the whole month? Like it's a little, it shouldn't be that vague. And I don't find that in other, uh, let's say, male references. They're all very precise. There's one name for one thing, one function. So for me, just to keep it clean in my mind, we have the menstrual cycles, the whole thing. And we have the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, luteal, and the bleeding week, because that's what's happening. It's very that specific. Week. Very right. specific. Right. You know, it's the function of what's taking place that week. All right. So in each of these phases, you have distinct hormonal ratios of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, follicular stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormones, all in different concentrations, all entering the game at different stages of the cycle. And that is so that they can uh, stimulate certain things happening physically in your reproductive organs, like building up the lining of the endometrium or stimulating follicles to develop so that one can reach maturity or causing one of those to be released into the fallopian tubes, et cetera, right? Or all the levels dropping to their lowest phase to signal that the lining can shed and a new cycle can begin. So that's what the hormones do. That's kind of how they function that way. But they're also impacting other things beyond the ovaries and the uterus. They're impacting your brain. Turns out your brain, this was discovered in 1996 by Dr. Catherine Woolley of Northwestern University, your brain, the female brain, changes 25% over the course of the month. So that means you have different cognitive advantages. We have multiple personalities. <laughs> no, you see, there's the little negative cultural narrative. It's like, I, know, no, 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 no. I always <laughs> notice that it seeps out in jokes, right? And it's good, it's good to, for them to come to the surface and let's air them out, but let's honor the fact that we should have a different inner dialogue about our hormones that isn't negative or self-critical that just says, you know, gee, I'm 
a little frustrated that nobody told me any of this stuff and that I've been thinking negative things about myself that I, you know, I'm going to have a bad attitude half of the month or I'm destined to suffer or multiple personality disorder or whatever, shark week. I mean, I've heard them all. I've heard them all. And all of these things are, are um, I think it's our collective pain body of dealing with the fact that we know somewhere deep down inside that we're missing a huge chunk of how to identify and understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we're just joking about our pain, not the physical pain of cramps, but this missing piece of information about who we are and how we function. And we joke about it. I know. I, it's sad. I don't want that for my daughters. I want them to embrace their bodies, their fully functioning bodies with, with appreciation. And yeah. with, I'm hoping that our, my generation is the last to sort of have this flippant sort of view. I'm hoping so too. I'm working hard to make yeah. sure that that's the case. You know, yeah. that's why we, we have the books. That's why we have the company Flow Living right. because, and we really want women, uh, especially moms to be modeling for their daughters. What does it look like for you to actually take care of your hormones as a woman in a healthy, proactive, positive way all throughout your life cycle and not um, tolerate suffering just because that's the cultural narrative, which yeah. is not scientifically accurate or up to date. You yeah. know? And I think yeah, that's super, super important. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So let's get back to the four phases. I, I, I do also have a hard time. I've heard, like I said, I've heard many interviews with you and have read in your book plenty about the different cycles, or I'm sorry, the different phases of the cycle. And I, I still forget them all the time. So maybe you could give us some sort of tips to remember what each one is. What one if you're looking, I know it's a cycle, so there's really no beginning and end per se, but day zero is the day you get your period or day one when you get your period. So right? in, in the conventional medical model, and I speak about this in In the Flow, I also challenge this a little bit because the reason why we start counting day one of our period from the first day of your bleed, which is how they do it in conventional medicine, and it's perfectly mm-hmm. fine to do it that way, is because that was before the advent of bio um, biometric devices, meaning things where you could actually, with precision technology, know when you are ovulating, know when the egg is dropping, right? And we have those today. We didn't have those 100 years ago, right? So they said, okay, on average, 14 days after the first bleed day is approximately ovulation. So that's a useful algorithm for a doctor to have and in context of dealing with their patients. Oh, Again, that's old technology. Now we have new technology, which is you can wake up in the morning, stick a thermometer under your tongue and get your basal body temperature, can go wirelessly to an app and keep a keep a running chart of when you're ovulating. You can urinate on a stick, which can also connect wirelessly to an app, which will tell you if you're having an LH surge, which would indicate ovulation. We can know with precision now when we're ovulating. So the whole need to start counting from day one of your period is also becoming, it needs updating from, from just a technology point of view, but also from how we experience it. Is the first day of your period when you're starting to bleed, does that feel like the beginning to you? No, it feels like no. I'm dragging across the finish line. That's right. It, you're com- and, and from a, from what's happening within the cycle, it really is the completion of that cycle, right? That's right. So what has happened is, Hormone levels have done what they're supposed to do. They've risen and fallen. And now the the luteal phase, estrogen and progesterone have risen, held on to the uterine lining. No ovulation, no conception has taken place. Those levels start to come down to their lowest levels. And that triggers the completion of that whole 
process for that ovulation month, right? right. So it's the end. So mm -hmm. why do we call that the beginning? It's That's not because no. women had a part in deciding what we should call what the beginning or the end. It's because a you know a bunch of guys in gynecology decided a hundred years ago that that was easier for them to to track right. your ovulation. They've so always we, been trying to understand us and have never really been. So I like to put out to women like you know you can use both methods. You can know that day one is the day one of your bleed if you're trying to count for ovulation. So follicular phase or the, the the five to seven days after the bleed ends, then we have, you know, three, four days of an ovulatory phase where you're having sort of a uh, lead ups and to the, the peak surge of ovulation and then sort of the, the decrease, the egg is released. Then we have the luteal phase, which is the longest and the, I think the best phase of the cycle, though it gets a bad rap because of PMS and most women are in, hormonally imbalanced. And so they experience a lot of symptoms during this phase, but it's, the best phase if your hormones are balanced and it's 10 to 12 days long and then you're bleeding and that's the the fourth phase. So those are the phases. Um, what they mean for you in terms of your self-care is profound, right? So I'd love to kind of go into how they affect your metabolism and your cortisol patterns because that is really the basis of. So Sunny, when I was you know, uncovering this whole information about the infradian rhythm and really diving into what is so distinct metabolically and with all of our hormones throughout the cycle, it, it became obvious to me that we don't need to ask the question anymore, what's the perfect diet? What's the best workout plan? We had to, that we needed a better question, which is what is the correct method for us to be taking care of ourselves as our bodies are changing, right? So it's not what anymore, it's when. Like, what are we doing when in this infradian month? And so I developed something called the cycle syncing method. And this method is now totally blown up on social media. Uh, we have over 5 million women hashtag cycle syncing on TikTok and Instagram. And uh, Vogue named us the, the wellness trend for women to watch. It's it's wow. pretty exciting to see so many women because, of course, it resonates, right? Once I break this down for you in a minute, you're going to say, oh, my gosh, <laughs> why? You know, A, this of you're, it immediately makes sense because it's your lived experience. You, As I start to describe your pattern, you're going to say, yes, I do feel that way. And then B, you're going to feel a little annoyed that no one has sort of shared yeah. this with you before. And that's okay. Use all that energy to start cycle syncing because that's what you need to do immediately. If you're okay. still having a cycle, you've got to start taking care of yourself this way. There, It's the most up-to-date science for your self-care. So let's, let's go through metabolically why I said earlier that eating the same calories day in and day out is bad for you. In the first half of your cycle, follicular and ovulatory, your metabolism is slightly slower compared to you. Mm -hmm. Okay, not compared to men. Right, 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 right. <laughs> compared to you, and so you can you can and should eat fewer calories, right? And in chapter four of In the Flow, there's the famous food chart, and it's not just about the calories that you're eating. You also want to use food strategically. This is sort of the functional medicine side of things. So, for example, during ovulation, you have this enormous estrogen surge, which can give you glowing skin and make you look more beautiful temporarily and all the things, right? But if you're not breaking estrogen down efficiently because you're lacking certain micronutrients through your diet, right? 
then that estrogen is going to overload your system and you're going to have breakouts and you're going to have breast tenderness and you're going to feel a little headachy and moody and you're not going to, you know, it's out, you're going to feel a little out of sync with that phase of your cycle. So there's also a way to use food strategically during the ovulatory phase and every single phase, but I'm just pulling this one out as an example. So in the chart in chapter four of In the Flow, you'll see that there's a lot of specific types of vegetables. There's more emphasis on eating raw foods, smoothies and salads, because we're going to use those foods to supercharge the liver with vitamin C and glutathione and other micronutrients that help it go through its specific phases of detoxification so that it can break down that estrogen that you're being supercharged with and get it out through the large intestine so that you don't end up with zits or tenderness or bloating, right? So you're going to use calories strategically to match the metabolic rate of the phase that you're in. And you're also going to use the types of food strategically to help deal with the hormones that are in prominent play at that particular phase. Let's move to the second half, right? Now we're in, we've ovulation has happened. Now we're in the second half of the cycle, the luteal and the menstrual phases. Your metabolism speeds up. So just the mere act of trying to, let's say, eat an arbitrary 1200 calories per day, which is something I'm sure we've all heard at some point, we should all be eating some sort of 1400 calories per day or whatever it is. Just the mere fact of continuing that same caloric intake after ovulation will totally throw off your hormones. And your metabolism too? It will, it will cause you to store fat. It turns on fat storage, in fact, right? So you don't want to be eating the same calories. You want to match your metabolic needs and your mm -hmm. metabolic speed has gone up, which means you need to eat, and they've done studies on this one, 279 more calories per day in the second half of your cycle so that you can keep blood sugar and insulin levels nice and stable. And when you do that, you don't go into a fasting mode that triggers fat storage. You actually start to use your stored fat as fuel and everything is in the right metabolic zone, if you will. It's interesting because my body cues do tell me to eat more before my right before my period, the couple of weeks leading up to my period. That's right, 10 to 12 days before your period, you should be hungrier and you should instead of ignoring that, which you have been conditioned to do because you were given outdated information and a bunch of mythology about how your body is not to be trusted. You ignore those cues. And the problem is that willpower is not uh, something that actually exists, let's say, biochemically in the body. And what I mean by that is when you are hungry because you have um, calorie demands, glucose demands, right? Your, your brain and your heart and your muscle tissue need glucose. You can try to tell yourself that you don't need it. Somehow you can transcend, but they need it. And your whole endocrine system is hardwired to make sure those three destinations get glucose all the time. And hormones will compensate when you don't give yourself enough of the mm. macronutrients to, to keep yourself stable. One of the ways that that happens is through a neurotransmitter called ghrelin, which I always remember because it reminds me of those little gremlins from the eighties. And like, if you eat, feed them after midnight, I forget what it is. But like, there's something, something happens. You feed them, they go crazy. I, I don't know. It's like that, right? So yeah. if you don't give yourself the exact calorie needs that to meet the luteal phase, the gremlins come out, the ghrelin is secreted, and you will find yourself kind of perplexed 
at the bottom of a bag of chips or at the bottom of a sleeve of cookies and say, how did I get here? <laughs> yeah. Right. How did that happen? Where did all the cookies or chips go? Uh, and you will go into yeah. like a, a binging trance because ghrelin takes over and you need those calories. You need them for this phase of the cycle. Why? Not because you're PMSing, but because you have to keep blood sugar stable and you need access to complex carbohydrates, not only for insulin stability, but also because we need them to make progesterone. And progesterone is the star of the luteal phase and my favorite hormone of all. <laughs> if I had to pick one hormone, I mean, they're all great. What does but it make you feel like? Why do you love it so much? Progesterone is the, um, it has this calming and focusing effect on the brain. It has massive anti-inflammatory effects mm -hmm. on the body. It's very protective for the female system in terms of other forms of inflammation and um, cellular you know, dysfunction. And it's a really powerful hormone. And most women are extremely deficient in this. And how do you know if you're deficient? All you have to do is look at your PMS symptom burden. How many symptoms of PMS do you have and how severe are they? If you have any PMS, PMS is the situation in which you have more estrogen and insufficient levels of progesterone. The luteal phase should be one in which progesterone tracks slightly higher than estrogen. Mm -hmm. And when you have that, you have no PMS and you have the magic of the luteal phase to enjoy, which is like mm -hmm. getting things done, having great metabolic speed, using stored fat as fuel, feeling really clear, calm and focused and getting all the health benefits to boot. But most women joke about their PMS, tolerate the suffering, don't realize that there's something wrong, that that's a red flag, a sign of a hormonal imbalance, and go years and years and years with this progesterone insufficiency, which can, of course, play into fertility problems and definitely will come to bite you in the, in the rear when it's time for the perimenopause transition. Okay. Oh, my, so many questions. Okay. I just want to give a quick shout out. Kimberly is... Um, watching live. And Kimberly, we are going to get to your question shortly. We're going to dedicate the sort of second half or the last third of this interview to viewer questions. So please stick around. But you're on this role and I want to I want to stay there. Um, so number one, is it worthwhile in investing in a test? There's a lot of saliva tests out there. I just did a Dutch test yesterday to understand your levels at any point. And do you recommend that? Or do you go only by symptoms? You said if you have PMS symptoms, that is obviously one flag that things could be off. But if you don't, is it worth investing in an actual test to see? I think it's great to do testing. It really depends on what you are, what your goals are and your needs are. So I would say if you're a younger woman, in, you know, you're not, let's say, close to when you want to do, um, you know, making babies, right? But you're having PMS or you're having a diagnosed condition like PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, right? We know certain things about that. We know that that means you have some excess estrogen. You can certainly do a test and the Dutch test is great. It'll tell you sort of where you're having difficulties breaking down estrogen, for example, and that can be really useful, especially if there's history of cancers in your family. But the the main thing to know is that sometimes you can have a diagnosed condition and your and many women will relate to this your hormone levels are within normal range. Wow. So great. the tests can be useful but they can also be frustrating. Right. So it's not the only thing that you need as far as an evaluation tool. You also have to look at your symptoms. This is why I built the MyFlow tracker. It's the top paid period app on the iTunes health and fitness category. 
and it will at every single day of your cycle, not just during your period or your luteal phase, but every day I want you to be looking at what a whole variety of symptoms could be. And it will tell you from a functional medicine point of view why you could be having that symptom. For example, acne during your ovulation phase has a different cause than mm. acne leading up to your period, different root causes needing different support. And we haven't even finished kind of explaining the cycle syncing method, but you know, it's important for you to start synchronizing your self-care around your cycle. We talked about um, the nutritional needs and the calorie needs, but this also applies to how you should do your fitness, right? So just to quickly wrap that piece up, um, in the first half of your cycle, follicular and ovulatory, um, your cortisol levels are at rest are slightly lower. And so therefore you can do HIIT workouts and cardio workouts, and it's going to have the benefit of the, the side effect of um, burning stored fat as fuel and building lots of lean muscle, which is what we want. Well, studies show once you cross past ovulation and you're now in the luteal phase and the menstrual phases, you want to avoid cardio and HIIT workouts because they turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. So what do you do instead? Well, in chapter five of In the Flow, there's the whole workout chart, and you can get lots of different ideas. Um, and also our cycle syncing membership, you actually get um, delivered to you in real time workout videos based on each phase of your cycle, so you don't have to remember. But you want to do things like strength training without a cardio component. You can do Pilates. You can do slow yoga as opposed to like sort of quick-paced uh, vinyasa flows. Um, Things like that, really just because your body is actually ready and primed to build lots of lean muscle. But in order for that to take place during the luteal phase, you need to eat more calories and you need to avoid cardio, excessive cardio. And it's remarkable. I'm somebody who's maintained a 50-pound weight loss for over two decades. Yes. And what's, and I've had a baby where I gained a bunch of weight and right. lost that as well, all by yeah. leveraging the cycle syncing method because when you don't do this, right, when you try to eat the same calories day in and day out of the cycle, ignoring your infradian effect on your metabolic and cortisol patterns, and when you do workouts, like HIIT workouts every day, you will, at best, make no progress at the end of every month. You'll notice you feel like you're losing a little weight if that mm -hmm. is around ovulation, right, because you're doing the cardio at the right time. And then you'll feel like you kind of take a step back. Yeah. And at the end of the month, at best, you'll have no change. But what happens if you keep doing this month over month is you may gain a pound or two by the end of the month because uh, you're not aligning calories, right. food type, and workout type. With so they the all have system. to they go They all together. have to work together. Here's a question for you. How do you know when you're going into the next phase, say, you know, follicular and ovulatory being the first half of the phase as you've come to define them? Like, how do we know when we're transitioning from that first half from ovulatory to luteal and menstrual? Like... What, what do we look for? Because I know there's a range of dates depending on the length of our cycles where these could individually fall, these phases. So that's why I always recommend women download the MyFlow app because it's going to yeah. really track for you where you are and tell you, oh, now you're in this phase and here's what you need to do in this phase. So it's, it can be really overwhelming at first to try to navigate this on your own. The good news is the app will also train you over time to help you understand what physical cues to look for. So there's mm -hmm. certain types of cervical fluid that you'll see during ovulation. There are certain body cues that you'll get that will help you understand, okay, I've now, I'm in the luteal phase. It's not as hard 
to start to intuitively understand that you're moving from phase to phase once you have a feel for it. But you need a guide to help you the first cycle or two. And that's where the MyFlow Tracker can really help. Awesome. Okay. I want to touch briefly on, and these can be sort of rapid fire because I could, I could talk to you for hours. There's so many components to hormone health, but, um, you specifically mentioned, okay, I should say this too, guys in the flow has information, not only that we've covered already about types of diets and workouts that best work for you, but Elisa also talks about how to work, um, the benefits of your cycle into your professional life and when you're most productive and the general, uh, things you might feel during certain parts of your cycle. So there's so much more to this. We can't get to it all during this interview, but I do want to mention that because this isn't a book with just recipes or just tips on mood and diet. It's a, it's a book that really covers whole body and whole self wellness from your professional to personal life. So please, please, please read it. Um, hormonal birth control though, is something I specifically want to touch on. Listen, Elisa, I was I shudder to think what I put my body through. I came of age in the era when the doctors would say, take this pill. It's like no effects on you whatsoever. You're going to have a really light period. Even if you're not having sex, you're being given this pill to moderate what you just told us, which were these PMS symptoms, which are supposed to be red flags to tell us things we need to work on. And here we are sort of just glossing all over it. So if we have any viewers out there who maybe have young daughters who are considering hormonal birth control for whatever reason, or even young women who want to know their options for birth control that aren't hormone based, do you give a thumbs up to hormonal birth control, thumbs down and why or why not? Well, I'm going to give you sort of a a balanced answer, which is I am such a huge fan that this medication exists for women because it's enabled a lot of uh, freedom and and growth for women in many areas of their lives. So Mm -hmm. it should be accessible and it's a good thing. Absolutely. But like all technology, things have evolved and there's newer technology. So if you're using hormonal birth control for its originally intended purpose, which is to prevent pregnancy, let me upgrade you, as Beyonce would say. (laughs) So here's what we have today, right? Because the old tech is, okay, let's take this medication. It's synthetic hormones, static dose. We're going to, it will shut off all your internal reproductive hormonal function so that we can just control for the, um, variations in when you might ovulate and uh, because you know we're we're going to use this as a mass uh, tool for every woman and this way we can guarantee that you won't get pregnant we're shutting off ovulation shutting off your infradian rhythm shutting down all your hormone production so there's no chance of pregnancy that's the old technology and it was really effective but we got some new tech and I'm super excited about it. I, I feel like I should get paid as a spokesperson for this company, but I do not. Uh, but I am a huge fan because it's a female-led innovation. Um, and I think it's just as exciting as the advent of birth control. And I think it will be a major part of uh, reproductive, pre- you know, or so let's say pregnancy prevention in the future. And the company is called Fexi, P-H-E-X-X-I. They have innovated. It's FDA approved. You can get a prescription for this at your gynecologist's office. You have to ask for it and they can write you a script. And it's so fantastic. I guess covered by insurance as well. You are going to insert this gel. It's a lactic acid gel. Think of skincare products you've used to like resurface the skin or, you know, give yourself a little facial. It's lactic acid. It's totally safe. It's derived from milk proteins. All this does in the vagina is change the pH just enough to make it inhospitable to sperm to do their thing, to swim around, to get to the cervix. It's amazing. So this plus those biometric devices I mentioned earlier that can tell you 
bio-individually with precision when you yourself, not every single woman based on a 14-day random count, but you actually in real time when you are ovulating, mm -hmm. then you can use the gel when you're ovulating. Because the truth is you cannot get pregnant every day of the month. And many of you listening who've had fertility pro problems will, you know, will say, yes, yes, that is true. You can, your egg is only viable for 48 hours and sperm can only live in the body for five days, which means you've got seven days total that you have to cover the cervix, so to speak, to prevent pregnancy. So with this newer technology, you can be tracking exactly when you're ovulating, which is good not just for pregnancy prevention, but also for your general hormonal management. Right. And then you can use Spexy and a barrier method like a condom or whatever, cervical cap, anything that you want to prevent pregnancy on the days where you have to have coverage, which is only seven days out of the entire month. So when you look at the updated technology, right, the biometric device plus a gel like this and a barrier method, if you want to really be extra, um, the old tech of just shutting down all your hormones every single day seems to be a little bit like overkill at this right. point, right? We can be much more precise and work with our body's data and this is what the whole biohacking community is all about, right? You see people walking around with these continuous glucose monitors stuck on the back of their arms. They want to know, for me, when I eat this, how does that make me feel? That's updated technology, right? And that's a great innovation for blood sugar management and inflammation management and met metabolic management. We should, we should want updated technology just to prevent pregnancy because we have it. We should all be using it for that. So that's what I have to say about birth control. If, however, you're being prescribed birth control to fix your period problems, then let me just let you in on the truth, which is it does not fix your period problems at all. Not at all. It can mask your symptoms temporarily, but they are still there. The root causes of why you have cramps or why you're having PMS or acne, all of those things are still there. And they will actually be, can be exacerbated by exposure to that medication because that medication puts certain strains on the liver, uh, can deplete micronutrients, can, it has been shown to disrupt the gut microbiome, which will then have mental health effects. A lot of women who onboard synthetic birth control also have to go on SSRIs concurrently because there's such a big uh, wow. effect on mood. Um, so these are things to know that it has other health effects. I was just being interviewed by another uh, journalist and she was saying that, uh, you know, her IBS, major IBS problems started when she was taking the pill and she's now off, just off by a month and she feels like she's trying to get yeah. into recovery with her gut. And I said, well, of course she, but she wanted to know why no one had pointed that connection out to her before. And I said, well, I, that I can't tell you. But the fact, the studies are there. We know that it disrupts the gut microbiome. We know that it has effects on your brain and mood. Um, we know that it affects micronutrient depletion. And when you think about how those things track into your future fertility conversation right. and aging conversation, it's not good. Yeah. So it's not the best option to deal with your period problems. You want to actually take action and do the things that we know move the needle. Like if you have cramps, it's because you're eating the wrong fats. You got to change your fats for the most part. So there are some structural issues like fibroids and endometriosis that could be physically causing cramps. But for people who don't have those things, 
the reason why you have cramps is because you're feeding the wrong prostaglandins that cause more uterine contraction. If you change your fats, you're going to feed the right prostaglandins that cause uterine relaxation. Cramps can be gone within a cycle or two. It really is that easy. Um, if you have acne, it isn't that your hormones are a problem. It's that you don't have enough micronutrients to break down your hormones and you could be constipated because you're not eating a high fiber diet. You start changing those things. I, I had a journalist over at, was it? either well and good or mind, body, green. And she, she didn't tell me she was doing this. This was years ago. And there's an article she wrote. She goes, I was listening to Lisa on one of her Facebook lives. And I just said, fine, I'm just going to do this random experiment because she had terrible acne. No one could solve it. And I said, if you just try two things, this will move the needle on your acne. I said, eat cilantro and have two tablespoons of flax a day for a month. And she was astounded by the skin transformation that nothing else was giving her. And then she wrote an article about it and then she called me. <laughs> and I said, now start doing everything else. Now you can see. And that's the power of the cycle syncing method. You could just start with changing your food. You could just start with changing your workouts. You could just start with um, taking the right supplements. And then all of a sudden, you're going to start to see one symptom improve and it's going to be very motivating for you to kind of give yourself the gift of, well, how good can I feel? How many symptoms could I get rid of? I, I, beat, I beat that drum all the time as someone who is only coming to this information as a result of interviews I've heard with you and talks that I've had now with my own integrative doctor. It is something I go back to time and time again is just know your hormone health. If you're a woman, it's so massive. Um, we, okay. We can kind of treat this as a lightning round, Elisa, cause I don't want to eat up too much of your time, but I have just a few viewers slash questions we want to get to. The first one was just a little bit of a phrase. So I'm going to expound a little, uh, natural products to support hormones. And she's a little older. If you believe in bioidenticals or you should go the natural route. I think that, you know, listen, the women's health initiative study that was out in the eighties or nineties that talked about the dangers of bioidentical hormones and hormone replacement therapy in, as a whole, you know, you have to really read through it carefully. So the synthetic ones definitely can be problematic, but the bioidentical ones can be much safer and can provide a lot of benefits to women who are postmenopausal because we know certain things now with the decrease in hormonal levels overall, there can be an increase in the risk for dementia and other diseases. There's new research that I'm finding fascinating that actually it isn't so much about estrogen and progesterone, but in the future, based on this new study that just came out, that if we actually manipulate the um, pituitary gland secretion of follicular stimulating hormone, which is the hormone that talks to the ovary about ovulation, right? And that during perimenopause, um, that level goes very, very high so that it shuts off ovulation and then you transition to menopause, post-menopause, um, that if we can sort of address the FSH level and prevent it from getting elevated, that women could actually be really, instead of just trying to titrate levels of estrogen and progesterone postmenopausally by taking creams and pills and things, that we could actually address menopause in a brand new way and really help the, the women as they age in a remarkable... So right now it's being studied in mice, but I'm optimistic that we're going to come up with something new. We would kind of coast into menopause rather than crash land into right. it and, and all of those changes in medication. That's right. And by the, by the way, wow. while we wait for that, there's so much that you can do before you need bioidentical hormones. If you want, if you're if you're in your 30s and you're thinking, "Gee, I would like to maybe not do those things," 
um, or I can't because there's history of cancers in the family and you don't want to be taking estrogen, even if it is bioidentical. Um, you want to start taking care of your cycle today because there was a study published. It was so, it was so, anytime we do something with women's health, it makes the New York Times because there aren't enough studies being done. So it was published in the New York Times, just adding in a serving of beans twice a week and a serving of omega-3 rich fish twice a week, those two things done twice a week each, delayed the last bleed by up to two years for women. What? That is epic because what it's talking about is that food is very much directly tied to your hormonal function and you have a lot of agency to take action and slow down your hormonal aging process because you want for sure to keep your cycle as long as you can, right. despite everybody saying, oh, it'll be so much better when you stop cycling. Not necessarily, because now we know that it kind of can create a lot of issues. So right. keep your cycle, support your cycle, start the cycle syncing method today, and then supplements. When you talk about natural products to help you, and when I say supplements, I mean therapeutically dosed micronutrients. So okay. because that's hard to find, I actually formulated my own. They're behind me here. You can find them on the Flow Living site. They are, um, these first two, we have a, a, some new things coming out this year. So sign up for the newsletter and stay tuned. But um, these two kits, the balance supplements here, really for every woman who wants to have just the baseline micronutrients that your endocrine system needs just to function every day, or, and especially if you've had history of exposure to synthetic birth control, will help replenish what you have lost by taking that medication. And then on um, the other side of me are the cycle syncing supplements. So a formulation for each phase of the cycle. You don't take them every day. You take a bottle for each of, well, you take the pill a day. Uh, it's like a antidote to the birth control. Instead of taking birth control, um, you can take these supplements that are really going to help optimize each phase of the cycle to help you break down estrogen, to help you with blood sugar stability in the luteal phase, to help you deal with cramps, to help you with energy. They're really fantastic. Awesome. Okay. I want to get to Kimberly's question here. She dropped this in on the live interview. Um, she says, I'm living and breathing these phases as my husband and I have been trying to conceive for six years. I'm interested to hear what I can be doing differently during these phases to optimize my hormone balance and perhaps boost my fertility. So without getting into your particular situation, because there's so many questions that I would ask, right? For example, I would want you to look at what kinds of endocrine disruption um, you may be taking in in form of um, house cleaning products or other chemicals in your beauty care, skincare routines, like, you know, a lot of endocrine disruptors there, even just handling receipts from the store. They have that, that chemical on them. Beep, well, it's, it can increase your BPA absorption like by 60% through the skin. Like you gotta, you gotta really be, it's not easy for ovaries out there today. It's not, <laughs> so you gotta really, you gotta really protect yourself. Um, so there's that. But then also I would look at micronutrient levels, both for you and your spouse. So for example, for men, I like to get them on CoQ10 as well as women just to boost egg and sperm quality. Um, there's a whole litany of supplements that are really important. And you can go to the Flow Living website we and just put fertility in the uh, the search bar of the blog and you'll get the all the supplements that I like to recommend for the fertility journey. And definitely subscribe to the newsletter because we have some products coming out that are really going to be supportive very soon um, because, you know, I just want to, everybody's been asking, so we, we wanted to do something to help support that process, whether you're doing it naturally or going through IVF. Um, and then you want to look at, again, are you 
disrupting that infradian rhythm, right? Have you started cycle syncing, right? If you're not using the cycle syncing method, then that in and of itself can decrease your fertile factors because now you're disrupting progesterone. You could be disrupting ovulation, disrupting your insulin response. So you could be conceiving, but you could be disrupting dur your things during the luteal phase when implantation takes place and it could just be missing right? That kind of moment every month. So you, you don't want to be doing HIIT workouts in the luteal phase if you're trying to conceive, right? Don't go for that run. Okay. You still can be fit, but you want to do it strategically based on your cycle phases. And again, the U.S. women's soccer team is doing this for their training. So it's not like you're going to gain weight and get out of shape. Quite the opposite. You're going to be in the best shape ever by bio-optimizing your workouts for your real biology and not trying to do what works for guys. That's a massive endorsement. Um, okay, very quickly, your best suggestion on how to find a good functional medicine doctor, someone who can actually work through some of this with you. That's a great question. I I I wish there were more people that you know that could speak to this, but I, I do think that you know there are more and more female doctors who are. Um, expanding beyond the boundaries of conventional medicine and and getting involved in functional medicine. So what you can do is you can go to the, um, is it the Institute for Functional Medicine, ifm.org, and I believe they have a list of people um, there that you can search for in your area. But that would be the best place to start because anybody who has accreditation through the IFM will be listed there and then you'll know that they have a certain set of training. But even so, the conversation around women's hormones is still new and evolving, even in the functional medicine space, but it's, it's much more comprehensive right. than what you'll get at your conventional doctor who will just say, you know, maybe take the pill or take hormones. Mm -hmm. If you want to look at, gee, what is my food doing to help me out or what, you know, right. and then you can come to Flow Living too. We're here to help as well. That's, it's a, it's a hormonal healthcare company dedicated to helping you between doctor's visits so that you can learn how to use food and supplements to biohack your hormones, regardless of what's going on. Love that. This last one is the last question of the interview. You can be as quick as you want because we're running rapidly out of time. But the the word was just fatigue, which was dropped in, um, which means you wanted to know more about why this is happening. I'm sure this is something you commonly hear, the crash either at a yeah. certain time of the day or at a certain time in your cycle. So I would imagine this could also be addressed by paying better attention to where you are. Listen, it's really straightforward. If you restrict calories this fatigue is is for you it's two things if you're using caffeine like you're doing what the biohacking guys are doing like okay i'm going to intermittent fast i'm going to have my coffee with coffee. <laughs> coffee with stuff in it and i'm not going to eat breakfast no. the caffeine alone can overstimulate your adrenals can inadvertently disrupt your insulin levels we women and men are different you know we're just we're just we're equal and distinct. And so we need to understand that um, caffeine for us may not be the best thing, especially if you're somebody who's hormonally sensitive, the genes that metabolize hormones and caffeine are related. And a lot of women are, um, like myself, deficient in making an enzyme because of a gene variation that allows them to metabolize caffeine at all. So actually what you have, and you can look this up on the Mayo Clinic's website, you actually have caffeine toxicity, where your first, you feel like anxiety a little bit after you drink coffee and then you have this big crash, right? So there's, that could be that. And you could be doing that to yourself every day. And that's a simple fix. Just, you're going to have to get rid of the coffee. I've been caffeine free for 20 years. It's all good. 
I'm pretty high energy. It's all, <laughs> you know, it's because of the way that I take care of myself, right? Right. So there's that. The second thing that you're doing is if you're in the second half of your cycle and you haven't eaten enough calories and you're doing the wrong workout, you are totally disrupting blood sugar. You're going to have hypoglycemic crash, increased anxiety from the cortisol and adrenaline sort of situation. You're going to feel terrible. So not just for a day, but like for a week. Right. So I have to ask you when this is happening for you. If it's happening every day, it's likely caffeine and intermittent fasting and you know not enough calories in general. If it's happening in the second half of the cycle, it's because you're not matching your biological needs with your self-care. The cycle syncing method is going to give you stable, consistent energy reserves. You're not going to be draining yourself. You're going to be replenishing yourself the right way every stage of the cycle, and you're going to feel great all month long. It is how biology and nature has designed you to be. Trust me. We work well when left to our own devices, right? When you pay attention to what's happening. Um, Elisa, tell us um, where we can find all of your books. Obviously they're available at all major retailers in the flow and woman code guys. I cannot recommend this book enough. Definitely check it out. And Elisa, you mentioned to um, your cycle syncing program flow 28. Tell us a little bit more about that and how we can access some of that information. Yeah. So, you know, obviously um, we wanted to make sure that anybody who was interested in using the cycle syncing method could join us and get all the support and tools they need. So I built a, a membership. It's called, you can go to cyclesyncingmembership.com and um, you'll get recipes, meal plans, grocery lists, and workout videos for each phase of the cycle delivered to you um, just as you need them so that you can really start living an infradian life, right? And supporting that infradian rhythm. And we have a little code so that you guys can all you could just try it for a month for free. I, I know how transformative this is, so I just want you to try it. Um, and you can use the code we gotta talk a. <laughs> so we gotta talk a. <laughs> we gotta talk a, and that'll be a free month of Flow Twenty Eight. Um, so you can just give it a try and experience it for yourself. If you're having any other hormonal problems, PCOS, fibroids, infertility, perimenopause issues, and you want to get some one-on-one support, come to FlowLiving.com. And that's where you can get um, telehealth coaching. You can get our supplements, our programs, all the other support that we offer there. And on Instagram, I'm at Flow Living and at Alisa.v. I am so grateful for your time, Elisa. I know you're so busy and in demand with this incredible information you have. So thank you for making some time for us, for some listener questions. And I will be absolutely cycle syncing from now on. So good, I'll look good, good. back on Instagram and let you know how it's working. Thank, thank you so much for having me, Sunny. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. And thank you guys. If anyone watched live, Kimberly, thank you for the question. Um, and thank you guys for submitting questions ahead of time as well. We did not get through, we got through most of them, but anything we, we didn't cover directly was I'm sure in that interview somewhere or will be in this book. Again, it's called In the Flow. Please check this out if you want more information. And Elisa mentioned this, but the code is we got to talk a for flow 28. So go to flowliving.com to get more information and really take advantage of that free month of information because there is so much to get through. And I personally feel like having someone or some site to sort of guide us through where to start is just immensely helpful. So thank you to Elisa and her team. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please do leave a rating and review if you have a moment that actually helps to um, make this podcast get out to people who might find it useful or helpful in some way. So just open your Apple Podcasts app 
tap the five-star rating and leave a review as well. I would be forever grateful for that. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. We'll see you next week with more good stuff right here. Bye.